Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. And today on the podcast, we continue this series of conversations looking at life, faith, and COVID-19, trying to see how life has changed uh, with different community leaders from across our Cleburne community in, in this time. And today it is our incredible joy to, to be joined by our mayor, Scott Kane. Thank you so much for being here today. We are honored by your presence and, and thankful for your leadership in this unprecedented time. Well, thank you, Pastor. It's great to be a part of this and uh, look forward to visiting with you this morning. Uh, we, we're looking forward to it, too. Yeah. I was talking to your good friend and mine earlier this week, Albert Archer, and asked, how should I introduce Scott on the podcast? <laughs> and, and he said, well, you know, Scott's a great guy and a really good friend. And, you know, the amazing part about that is that he's also a lawyer and that, that somehow those things managed to come together. And so he wanted to make sure that we ribbed you a little bit in the midst of that and, and know that that's an extra special ribbing for me because uh, both my parents are attorneys and in my family system, you're pretty well either a preacher or a lawyer. And so, you know, I know that there are lots of jokes and stereotypes on both ends of that spectrum. So, uh, what was left to talk about at the dinner table? <laughs> oh, there, there are plenty of things to argue at the dinner table, right? Um, the, uh, everybody likes to talk and everybody likes to form an argument and present it. Um, but it's good. It's good. Uh, Scott, we want to begin by just checking in on you. Uh, I know that this has been a high stress season for a lot of leaders. And, and so we just were curious as to, um, you know, how your life has been different or changed in this season and, um, you know, what kind of reflections you might have based on, you know, how things have been. You know, uh, pastor, it's, it's, it's been a remarkable journey. Uh, when I think back on, on how all this started for me, um, I was, uh, with my son and some of his friends from College Station on a ski trip on uh, March the 13th. And, you know, we were watching some of the news and my phone rings on the way back on the 13th. And that's the day that uh, we went into kind of emergency mode and uh, went through this whole process. So, uh, you know, for a couple of months, I, I really didn't practice law. It was more of navigating the, the health issues and communicating and, and trying to, to get our community uh, ready for this. And, uh, you know, every, everything's changed pretty dramatically. And I could say the same thing even in the last couple of weeks as we've gotten more data and more information. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole different process now. I was on the phone this morning uh, getting our city ready to open up our playgrounds and, and um, you know, getting things ready. But for the most part, you know, it was mostly communications, um, letting people know what was going on. You know, we had three basic principles uh, from March 13th that I had the, the emergency team work on that uh, guided every decision that w uh, we made and every order that I issued or orders that I didn't issue. And those were, were the following. Uh, we asked ourselves, how does our order or the things that we're doing uh, protect the health and safety of our community? primarily looking at those who were high risk, and then also how do we make certain that we don't have our healthcare system get overwhelmed? That was a big concern mm. back in March. And so that was our first question. The second thing was how do we keep uh, panic lowered uh, through communications? And that's getting factual, accurate information. You know, nobody Absolutely. really, this is the first time in, in, in our lifetimes that we've seen the, yeah. the world shut down like this. And and a lot of it was fear of the unknown. 
And, uh, you know, I, I deal with clients all the time that, you know, if they're going in the courtroom or they have a legal issue, a lot of what uh, drives their anxiety is just simply fear of the unknown. They're in an arena that they're not familiar with. And so I kind of approached it that way for our community that uh, none of us knew what tomorrow held. Uh, and, and so, you know, we wanted to get information out there. And so that was a big factor. And then the third one was, what's the economic impact? You know, as we were looking at shutting things down and, and adjusting, uh, I wanted us to consider, you know, the, the broader picture with that. And so, um, uh, you know, we went through periods where I was on massive phone calls. Uh, I know uh, you guys were on some of those phone calls early on because as we lowered the, the number of, of, of people in a large gathering, you know, it impacted our churches first and foremost. And, you know, some of the issues where having a law degree really helped was understanding, you know, constitutional issues because, you know, we were talking about curtailing freedoms that we've all enjoyed and, and taken advantage of. And I remember one of those first uh, uh, questions that I had with our, our pastors was, you know, what do we do about communion when we're trying to keep separation and everything? And, um, you know, some communities were shutting down church services and shutting down communion and things like that. And, uh, I was very uncomfortable with that, you know, from a, a lawyer standpoint. One, I don't think it's constitutional. But then, two, as a believer, um, you know, communion is a, a vital part of our our faith, and and for some of our our churches, it is a a you know weekly uh, function. You know, for our Methodist friends and our Baptist friends, it's you know a, you know once a quarter or you know once a month, depending yeah. on who it is. It's, it's a first Sunday experience for us and. But I think you're, you're right. You name some vital places in our shared life where um, it's been a season of required flexibility. I know within our Methodist system, we've had a lot of conversations within uh, our, because we're a connectional church with Episcopal leadership and, um, and our historic theological practice has been that you can only have communion in, in a gathering where it is properly consecrated and blessed and served, Right. Um, but during this season, sort of the, the practical theology and the pastoral theology and what people need for their soul has kind of been elevated above whatever our sort of systematic, you know, if we were going to name it perfectly on paper thing, right? Um, and, and, and I get that sense in, in some of your leadership too, right? There's an inherent practicality as you try to, to name those three guiding principles to lead our community to say, Look, we, we all have, you know, ideological perfection that we'd like to, to hold to in, in whatever our decision-making framework is. But right now we kind of have to, to do what is best for the community. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a real struggle as we worked to, together. And, you know, I had those conversations where we shared a lot of ideas uh, and some practical aspects of how can we, you know, hold our faith. Uh, and, and the traditions of our, of our uh, faith and, and, and do that in a way that's responsible and safe, uh, you know, for the time when we didn't really know what was going on. You know, a lot of our churches, uh, I know you guys have done a tremendously good job with uh, going to an online service and trying to figure that out. And for our pastors and, and preachers getting into a pulpit, uh, I, I did a, a Wednesday night uh, a Bible study for Bethel Temple and uh you know, I'm in the, in the auditorium and looking out at these empty pews and, and mm. uh, you know, you don't get the, the feedback and the facial uh, responses. And so you don't know, you know, if, if, 
if uh, you know how you're communicating. And so it, it's been interesting. It's been difficult. But uh, as we've gone through this process, um, you know, one of the things that that uh, hit me early on when we got to the point where we were all staying at home, um, it, it just occurred to me, and the Lord really put it on my heart. I was sitting on the back porch at my office, and, you know, amidst all the chaos, this complete calm came over me, and, and the thought occurred to me, we've been talking about everything that we've lost in the country and as a society, things like professional sports. You know, we lost our basketball season, Sweet 16, you know, uh, college finals that's part of our you know, culture. Daniel's really been grieving those yeah, things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if people were really that sad about not having finals. No, Kiefer, this is not a moment for you. My Baylor Bears were a top five team in the country in men's basketball. <laughs> yeah, the you know, only time we're going to go to a Final Four potentially. Right. And there's nothing. I mean, I know that's a little thing in the grand scheme of we've had a hundred thousand people die across the country over the course of the last several months, and you know, it, it's it's small, it's petty. But it is a disruption, right? Uh, and we can tend to focus on all that we've lost. Um, and, and that's what that's what hit me, you know. I mean, you look at baseball. Our high school team was ranked number two in the state and had all of the talent and the, the sense of community and really had a chance to win a state title, and, and all of those dreams were gone. But the thought that hit me was we were focusing on what we lost, but during that period what we gained – was the opportunity to, to kind of push some of the things that distract, slow down, and focus on our families. Uh, I started uh, putting puzzles together with my wife and my son and doing stuff that, that uh, we haven't done in years. And so, you know, that basic building block, you know, for not just society, but our churches is our families. I mean, it's, and, and so it, it was a, it was an interesting time to be able to really get back to the basics. And my hope and prayer is that as we come out of this, our churches are stronger, our communities are stronger because our families are stronger. I wonder, you know, I love that you've brought it back up to family. I've, I've been thinking about at the beginning of this conversation, you kind of mentioned that when everything happened, you were on a ski trip with your son. And um, I can relate to that. Uh, when all of this kind of happened, I was um, in Virginia and Washington, D.C., doing um, a wedding of a dear friend of mine and traveling um, back right as all the announcements were kind of um, coming out. And so I remember there was a period it's different now that it has gone on longer than any of us anticipated, right? But there was a period where, like, I felt even extra out of um, rhythm from my normal life um, because I had been traveling when all this occurred. And so I wonder if that is something that you also experienced or if just being in leadership, being thrown in, you're like, I didn't have time to be out of time. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was kind of surreal, you know, it, it, on the 10-hour drive back, I had to plug my phone in, and we were laying the framework, and we literally, I got home, and I, I dropped my kids, my son off, and the kids, I didn't even have time to go to the bathroom, I had to get in another car, run to City Hall, uh, conduct the, the, the meeting where the disaster declaration was issued, and then, you know, we had already started talking about you know, what we had done. What was interesting was we had been planning for months before, uh, you know, and getting the city ready just in case. Uh, we had our first responders had changed all their protocols so that 
know, we wouldn't have more exposure of all of them and have them in isolation. And so, um, you know, at that point we, we, you know, I was studying and gathering as much information from CDC, the states. Uh, we started analyzing other communities, uh, the West Coast, East Coast, Italy, what happened, and trying to set benchmarks on, on what we do. And, you know, for me, um, you know, it, it, and later on in the conversation, you know, you had different cities that were talking about essential and non-essential. We took a different tactic in Cleburne. Uh, I took the position from the beginning that everything's essential. Let's not rewrite how we operate as a society. Let's start with where we are and start doing the, the little things that we need to. And then we also talked about uh, encouraging people to do different things as opposed to mandating it. And then we only, the mandates only came when we had to do that to get our numbers down and, and to provide for some safety. But I tried to ease our community into this, this new reality as we went through it because you know you, you, you can't flip that switch we can't we knew we weren't going to fix it it wasn't like the tornado in 2013 where you know you organize the cleanup you go and, and you move on we knew this was going to be a long haul because of what we had learned from uh, Italy and Europe and, and China and and Washington State and New York and so you know our, our primary goals were to make certain that if, if, if you had a heart attack and needed to be transported to the hospital, that you had a first responder to carry you and you had a doctor to treat you, we knew at that point we weren't gonna keep people from getting COVID, but we were trying to, to, to work through that. So it was step by step, and then that setting up those communications, sharing what we knew real time, building rapport with the community uh, as we went forward. And then there were struggles because, <laughs> As you remember, you know, Dallas County kind of led, you know, going into the shelter at home and, and we saw that, but we really didn't need it in Cleburne. Uh, and so I shared a lot of information with other leaders and within our community and outside trying to figure out what was right for, for Cleburne. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had, we had a few little battles behind the scenes. Uh, you know, the stress level was kind of high, but, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing, you know, God's peace at, at the right moments would come over. And, and I tried my best through all of it to never make a decision or a reaction decision and tried to sleep on it if I could um, so that, that we could really think through and vet what we were doing, how it fit in. Mayor, I would be curious to know of your experience. Often in leadership, there, there are times when you need to pray through something, you need to sleep on it, you need to, and, and you feel like you've got clarity but there's sometimes even when you think you've got clarity that not everybody else feels like they have the same clarity on that, but you just try to do your best and, and lead forward with some guiding principles that, you know, again, you named from the very beginning here. Um, and, and I, you know, there's deep wisdom in, in the approach that you've laid well, out for. And you're right, pastor, you know, when once, once you feel that uh, you have a clear direction from the Lord and and you've looked at all of the the aspects of the decision and you make that decision there's another phase in good leadership and and that is you know you want to be decisive and make that decision but you also have to remember that you've got you know for me I've got 32,000 people that they don't have all the data and information I have and so now it's my job to explain what we're doing why we're doing it and ease them into it and, and, and know that there's a lag time. You know, it takes multiple times of communication before they finally get it. I mean, for example, social distancing. 
we didn't understand that concept and it took us weeks and maybe a couple of months to really get our arms around it. Now it's just part of our culture. We, when somebody says social distance, you know, they know. In fact, I, this morning I told our city manager, we don't even have to tell people social distance, hand sanitizing, wear masks when, if you feel uncomfortable and, and, and be kind to one another. We just tell everybody, just use common sense. We all know what we need to do. You know, I was going to ask if, um, some of that anxiety that you had mentioned, like in the early days, like even, I remember even in myself, like even when it was just, Oh, the next 14 days, like that was the initial, you know, kind of big mandate that came down was like 14 days of home. Like even just hearing that two weeks was like this huge, Oh my God, we're not going into the work, into the office for two weeks, like was this huge deal. And then now three months later, I'm wondering if you've seen, I feel like I've seen at least in me, anxiety has gone kind of way down and we went, okay, like big change happened, but you know, we kind of did it. And I'm wondering if like collectively, maybe in Cleburne, you've seen any of that anxiety kind of subside at all, or if it's still like you're, you feel so pulled by two, like, you know, in all these different directions and you don't know what to do, or is it all is, is, I don't know if the consciousness is kind of calmed down at all about the whole, the whole mess. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we kind of got to a boiling point, I would say probably two weeks in on the stay-at-home orders uh, where everybody got a little cabin fever. And, you know, we were we kind of hit that, that, that peak of, of stress. And so I, I think the stress level is coming down uh, just a, a, a little bit. Um, and people are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're just they're kind of over it. Um, you know, we have enough data now and, and we're ready to move on. We know what we need to do. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I've not been a big fan of the approach that Governor Abbott is, is using now, uh, simply because it's, it's just, you know, we're Texans, you know, we just need some common sense approach. And when you have all these little tiny rules, draconian rules uh, that, that don't make a whole lot of sense, um, you know, we're, we're kind of past that. At one point, you know, one of the concerns that we had, you know, we were having to make multiple plans. I actually had to plan for martial law if it got to that point. And I made the decision early on that I probably was going to wait for the governor to issue that because I didn't think it was going to be necessary. But what does that look like, you know, if we have to do that? And what are the trigger points to that, you know, and, and, you know, when you get to rioting and things like that. And, and so while we were making those plans, I was more importantly talking about how do we mobilize our community so we don't get to that point? What triggers a riot? You know, people that, that don't have a job, don't have income, and don't have food, you know, those basics. So how do we get ahead of that? And so we started mobilizing um, and, and getting people ready uh, to, to make certain food was available and those things. And then you communicate. Uh, a lot of communities, I've got a lot of people, I get a lot of questions from other communities uh, in North Texas asking questions because their, their leaders aren't communicating. You know, that is the single most important thing is uh, just tell people what's going on, be consistent, and, 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 and just be open with them. You know, there were times that, that you know, when, when I was stressed and fearful, you know, and people want to know that their leaders are, are in that same boat with them. And so, um, you know, it, it was an interesting process. Uh, and I, I'm glad we're, we're moving past it. But, but like you, I thought 14 days, and then I'm going to have a big party in Cleburne with hugs and handshakes. <laughs> and that's right. just really not going to happen now. You know? Right. And I hate that. 
you kind of mentioned, I love, you know, like there's so much of our life that is essential. Um, but even in that of like the shutting down of having to stay at home more that you found some kind of new essentials at home of like doing jigsaw puzzles and those kinds of things or having a cat interrupt a zoom. Yeah. Call. <laughs> uh, that kind of lovely stuff. I wonder like, what what other essential things have you said, you know what, maybe I lost touch with this, but me, me and my family, we're going to keep doing this, even when all is back to normal, because we know that's coming. We are hope-filled people. Yeah, so, you know, for me personally, um, life has, has gotten busier and busier and busier over the last few years. You know, you, you think uh, both of my boys – are out of high school now, and I thought if I could just get them off to college and be an empty nester, it'll slow down. I was wrong. <laughs> busier and busier with the city, and then I started teaching uh, over in Keene, and 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 I enjoy being busy, but um, I, I I didn't have time to stop, smell the roses, slow down. And so one of the things that that, that this caused me to do is slow down a little bit. In fact. I'm now working from home on Mondays and Fridays uh, because I can I can get up early, get get my work done uninterrupted, and then I can uh, do some things at home. Uh, taking a walk with my wife that has been one of the great joys is getting out and just walking and getting doing some yard work. So I, I think for me, and I hope a lot of others have kind of gotten back to slowing down and enjoying the things that we take for granted, um, disconnecting, you know, putting my phone down. It was hard for me to put my phone down and, you know, stop answering questions on social media and just disconnect. Um, but, you know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am the Lord. You know, uh, I hadn't been still in years. That. That's so, our scripture passage on Sunday. This yeah, Sunday. I'm preaching that this Sunday. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, you know, so for, for me, it's, it's be still. And, and, you know, when I, when I got still and, and got, I could, I could really hear the Lord more than, than I have in, in a long time. And, and there was a lot of joy that came back in that. So instead of, you know, you, you, you kind of zoom out, and you see the forest instead of just the trees and, uh, um, you know, and, and then also taking care of my health a little bit. I didn't have time to, to walk and exercise and I'm trying to get back in that routine and, and, uh, uh, you know, so that's been good. Eating potato chips while <laughs> staying at home was probably not good. So I'm having to kind of, there's some new bad habits too. So <laughs> yeah, the snack, the, the pantry is always, uh, much easier to, to access from the house than it is from the office. I think it was, uh, Dan, was it you I learned, that it, I learned to set up a home office in a room where I can shut the door because my little desk where I was doing work uh, from in the kitchen counter was not conducive for my wife taking care of her things. And, and so she mm. said she likes me being at home when I'm in the office with the door shut. <laughs> it was Daniel that said at the beginning of this, he's going to come out of this either having gained 15 pounds or lost 15 pounds or whatever he said. Right, right. I'm either going to be fat or skinny and I'm not right. sure which. Uh, <laughs> it'll be one of the two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so far we're holding down the middle uh, <laughs> with a combination of more walking and jogging and that kind of thing, but also more eating. So it, it's balancing out. Um, well, Mayor, right. I would wonder. Um, you, you don't take for granted as much some of the things like, um, you know, Albert and Beverly Archer, uh, we had them over for dinner uh, a, a few days ago and, and I'd missed having friends 
in our home or going to their home and that interaction. So I think that has a new sense of priority in life that, mm. that we've always taken for granted. Yeah. One of the, th- you know, we did a congregational survey a couple of weeks ago, just trying to get a pulse on the head and heart of people in the midst of pandemic. And um, as we're wrestling with questions on relaunching in-person ministry and, and stuff like that. And the thing that showed up over and over and over again um, across people who are ready to start yesterday, people who don't want to start for another year and people who are in the middle, right? Is that longing for community that, that you named that sort of we've come to know what we've taken for granted uh, in the midst of this. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's an unexpected blessing, right? Um, you know, we serve a God of resurrection, right? Who, who takes death and brings life from it. And so I think, you know, any situation is one in which God can bring new life uh, for us. And often it shows up in those little nuggets, right? The, the renewed gift of having uh, good friends over for dinner, um, the renewed gift of, of just perspective in something as, as silly as, I mean, not silly, but uh, seemingly inconsequential as I'm going to take time because we've bought four jigsaw puzzles too. And when slowly doing them with our children um, and, and to see the joy of a five-year-old who figures out where her piece goes and puts it in and go, Whoo! most of the time in life, I hate to admit it, but I don't slow down for those moments real well. Right. Um, and, and that has been a, a beautiful invitation in this season. Um, Mayor, I'd be curious to know, uh, and we've been asking this question of everybody who's come on the podcast. When did you laugh the hardest in the midst of quarantine? What was that most ridiculous moment that you said, look, I could either laugh or cry, but I'm just laughing like crazy right now. Oh my. Yeah. So, you know, we always have these, I call them behind the scenes moments. Um, you know, uh, Chief Lell and I, uh, in doing some of our videos and, and getting to know him, he has a sense of humor that is so funny. And, uh, when we were talking about you know, encouraging folks to consider wearing a mask and he dons a Batman hat and he sends me this video and he says, you got to see this. And so he sends me this video and he says, Hey, I brought a good friend of mine to talk about masks and change the scenes. And I'm Batman. <laughs> like, nice. this is the guy who's responsible for life and death for us. You know, and, and <laughs> he's funny. Um, you know, uh, we had, uh, my son got a, a dog, uh, a puppy in the midst of this. And so, uh, I think probably the hardest I laughed was when she was playing in the floor and did a cartwheel inadvertently just, uh, you know, doing puppy things, you know, seeing, seeing that. And, and it was just uh, pretty remarkable, but we had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of laughs, uh, mm. uh, through, uh, through that. And, and, uh, nothing stands out at, at the moment, but I will tell you another crisis uh, when, when we, well, actually, uh, we had the, the 2013 uh, uh, tornado and in the middle of the night, we had some moments with uh, uh, the uh, uh, police chief, Rob Severance and I, you know, and we got a little story about donuts, you know, and, you know, tops and donuts. And it's fun. Uh, one of our concert series, you know, we were in the middle of you know, getting all that done, and we're in the band's playing, and he and I are backstage a minute, and we've got a photo of him, mock, you know, got my hands tied behind my back like he's arresting me behind, and we've got some photos like that, so, you know, even our leaders, you know, uh, when we get together, we, we try to have a lighthearted moment, uh, mm. and uh, uh, 
you know, it, it's, it's, it's always pretty, pretty funny. Some of it was some of the outtakes trying to do some of the videos um, and communicating, but uh, nothing really stands out. You know, we just, we tried to not to take ourselves too seriously sometimes. And, and so you know, we kind of laughed at one another and, and then we went on to do serious business. I think anybody in public leadership can identify with the outtakes uh, bit there because in this season where we've all tried to become amateur sort of, you know, bad versions of televangelists or, you know, whatever um, there are outtakes. There are moments where you like, man, I was, you know, ready to, to deliver this message and it got 30% of the way out in my brain fried. And, you know, we had to edit and cut and um, I, I need you uh, mayor to, to help uh, Melissa and Kiefer are the keeper of our outtakes, right? They, they tell me that they have not, uh, you know, saved them for in perpetuity, but um, yeah. I just, it, it's like that. <laughs> I have, I definitely have some dirt on them. <laughs> I can issue a mayoral proclamation that prohibits the use of outtakes. Kind of like a pardon, if you will. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds fantastic. Um, you know, it is very good to have good friends. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I demand immunity. Everybody's always demanding immunity in these types of situations. That's it all. I don't know what that means, but I demand it. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness. Well, Mayor, we deeply appreciate your time today, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. If you had one more thing, you I mean, I know you've communicated to our community thousands of times over the last couple of months. If if there's sort of one small message you'd like to make sure our community hears in this time as we kind of re-enter uh, more and more, I mean, uh, bits and bits of normal, um, what would you want them to hear? You know, I, I think it's important for us to, uh, everybody knows, you know, what we need to do and just use common sense like we always do. But, you know, also I want to encourage our people to be kind to one another. You know, there are some people that are still very fearful uh, that, uh, and there are others that are just over it and want their freedoms back and want to go back to the way we were. And there's no right or wrong answer with how you deal with the stress. Uh, so uh, let's be kind to one another. And uh, I've been very, very proud of our community um, and, and how we've dealt with it from our businesses to our people, to our churches. And so, you know, remember that, that, you know, what makes Cleburne great is our, our connection and our sense of community. And as we go forward in the days and weeks ahead, uh, let's not forget the lessons that we learned uh, through all this to slow down and, and take a little time and not take for granted those relationships. And I always tell folks, it's a great day in Cleburne. And now that we're coming out of COVID and we're closer together, it is another great day in Cleburne, Texas. Amen. 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 Mayor, thank you so much for your time today. We deeply appreciate you jumping on the podcast and uh, we will uh, air this next week about midweek and I'll shoot your office an email, let you know when that's coming. Sounds good. Uh, blessings to you and your congregation and, and all those in your audience. And remember uh, that this is the other thing I forgot to say, you know, God is still on the throne, COVID or no COVID, nothing catches it by surprise. Mm. God is God no matter what. Amen. Right. Amen. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you. You bet. Thanks, Daniel. Y'all take care and have a great weekend. We'll do it. You too. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. 
And if you enjoyed this conversation today with the mayor, um, then I don't know why you wouldn't have enjoyed this conversation. It's the mayor. Uh, then please share uh, this podcast episode with uh, your friends, your family, anybody who you think this might positively impact, which hopefully is a lot of people. Um, just share it. Uh, you can also leave a comment or a review and you can post the link on all the different social medias. This is the best way that you can help us bring more people into this conversation um, and just spread the word about the conversations that we're having. And now that we've gathered together this week, I want to issue an invitation to grow. Your invitation to grow this week is to simply slow down and to slow down with intentionality, looking for those moments of small beauty that surround you every day, those moments that you're prone to overlook. May you be present. May you be thankful. And may you experience all that God has for you to experience this day. And as you go... Receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go this week. May you go encountering God in the small moment. May you go encountering God in the measure of grace that is extended to you. And may you go encountering God in the kindness that you extend to your neighbor in Cleburne. May you go in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.